0: Just past 7 o'clock. Monday night's my favorite night of the week. It's time for Iron Sports 95.9, true oldies channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. Going to be a really big show. right, you're back in the studio. You had a little bit of a time away. You've been really busy the past month or so. This past week, not so much. You finally uh, relaxed, got yourself back to South Florida. But this next week or so might be the craziest you've had in a long time. Well,
1: not, not necessarily. We'll see. We're still working on it. But I think <laughs> SEC Championship game on Saturday, Steelers-Ravens on Sunday, and then uh, Steelers at Vikings Thursday, and then uh, back to see Bucks versus the Bills Sunday night in in Tampa. So that would be... That would be a good
0: week. That's a lot of football (laughs) in one week. But if if there's ever going to be a time to do it, I guess it's November and December when things are getting uh, getting really exciting. Um, uh, Don't forget to follow Ira all across social media at Ira on Sports. You can keep up with all the crazy antics that he gets involved in. Let's go right into it, though, Ira. NCAA, let's talk about the number one uh, team in the country. The odds-on favorite now to win it all—it's got to be Georgia—and they just dominated once again.
1: I mean, I had five screens going all Saturday, so from 12 o'clock till two in the morning. I well, really, there was only two games like between 12 and 2 a.m. But I had everything going. And Georgia and I'm one of the few people that watch Georgia. Georgia Tech, just seeing how dominating this team mm-hmm. is. First undefeated season since 1982. Um, they capped a streak of three consecutive. You know, when they when they actually in '82, that's when Herschel Walker won yes. the, the championship. Um, Georgia Tech's three and nine. They're terrible. They've lost to. Uh, Notre Dame and Georgia combined weeks by a (laughs) hundred and uh, Georgia defense leads the nation 6.9 yards a game, uh, only averaging 200 yards a game. It's their third shutout. Um, Now it's just Stetson Bennett, like this Georgia team's crazy because they use about seven different running backs. Stetson Bennett, their quarterback was 14 for 20, 255 yards, four touchdowns. But it's really just been this one domination. I just want to give you their schedule. That Clemson game was big because that Clemson game ruined the Clemson season and that set Georgia. Everyone didn't realize how good Georgia was. Went either way, and they win ten and three. But then the rest of the schedule: they played UAB fifty-six to seven, South Carolina forty to thirteen, Vanderbilt sixty-two to nothing, Arkansas. 37 0. Auburn, 34 10. Kentucky, 30 to 13. Florida, 34 7. Missouri, 43 to 6. I mean, Tennessee came within 24 points. Of them. <laughs> it was like, it's a close game. 41 17. They beat Charleston Southern and then Georgia Tech. The weird thing about this is they didn't beat any really great teams. Like, it, it, it's still, I think that's where people are saying maybe Alabama, I mean, there is a chance. Maybe there's a change. Maybe someone has to put pressure on them. Georgia just looks unbeatable on defense, but they really, in many ways, they just haven't. They weren't even close games except for that Clemson game, which they dominated. I'm looking to see. I mean, Georgia said all the right things. They said, "Look, we've done nothing. This is now our three-game playoff, SEC championship game, which they don't even have to win, and then we have the first two games of the the College Football Playoff for the national championship game." But I'm excited. I mean, Georgia Kirby Smart has done an amazing job with his defense and
0: an offense without any superstars at all. Is just is scoring enough points. I mean, I guess I can see the argument for what you're saying that. They haven't really played any juggernauts. And, and, you know, we've not that Alabama has played anyone fantastic. They played better teams. But still, just the, the divide, what it looks like between Georgia and the rest of the country is massive. And I don't know how anybody could be, you know, thinking that Alabama is going to come into this game and win.
1: Well, maybe me. But <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> you're right. I mean, Georgia looks Georgia looks this type of defense, and they're opportunistic. They force turnovers, and on offense, they're they just know how to score these points, and they score in bunches. It's just that before they're not winning their games. You know, their offense is scoring 30, 40 points a game. Their defense is giving up zero, so yeah. they're going to win every game, game. But if they get by Alabama, Alabama I just can't see how anybody else would play with them at all
0: it could be one of the uh, most exciting matchups in college football every year Ohio State and Michigan it might be the biggest rivalry it's always uh, you know for the last couple of years it hasn't come Michigan's way but man what a Saturday for them
1: most watched college football game of the year most watched college football game in the history of Fox and Ohio State had one listen to this Ohio State won 15 of the last 16 games. They had won eight in a row. All we heard about Jim Harbaugh, he's terrible. He's this. He's Mm -hmm. 0 for 5 against Ohio State. The last two years, he lost 62 to 39, 56 to 27. Um, Harbaugh was 2 and 9 on the road against ranked teams. I mean, I could just give stat after stat and you think Jim Harbaugh can't coach, but really, I mean, his record in seven years, he was 10 and 3, 10 and 3, 10 and 3, 8 and 4. I mean, he's had a good record. He didn't take a pay cut to come into this year just because he's lost to Ohio State and, I just think, and that Paul Feynman came on ESPN, he was just talking all week that there's no chance that Jim Harbaugh is incapable of beating Ohio State. It's physically impossible for him to think in his mind how to win, which is ludicrous because here's a coach <laughs> that took that it took two teams, to, um, three straight teams to the NFC Championship game and took one to the Super Bowl and he won, went to the Orange Bowl with Stanford and was beating everybody with that team and he's been a great coach. I just think, you know, in a time when he's now making like $4 million and James Franklin is making nine, and Mel Tucker's making $10 million a year and now... Um, uh, Lincoln Riley is going to make $15 million. I This was a great coaching job, and I really am proud of the Michigan team, the players, everything. And how they won was people thought that Ohio State was going to self-destruct by turning the ball over. They really just – Michigan just said, we're going to beat you on the defensive line. Aiden Hutchinson might have become the first pick in the draft, getting three sacks in that game, just dominating. And then offensively, uh, Haskins who just ran the ball, 170 yards, just dominating running. So they control the offensive line, the defensive line. The game was a lot closer. In retrospect though, when I looked through back the game and I was you know, watching the game,
0: in the first half, it was it was a closer game yeah. than people think. No, it definitely was close. You know, and watching it at halftime, you know, they were only you know score maybe you know like a score and a half ahead at most. of The point. Let's talk about the game itself, though, because like you said, th- this you know essentially ends Ohio State season. It essentially saves. You know, there was people talking about Jim Harbaugh coming back to the NFL a- after this season. He's now you know cemented himself as someone who can do it. Let's talk about the game.
1: Yeah, I mean, one thing about about Ohio State, I call their like the mystery team because they they put up forty points against Minnesota. To Tulsa, Akron, Rutgers, Maryland, Indiana, Purdue, Michigan State. I mean, they just, they were 48 points every, like, first half. Mm-hmm. But then in this game, that, you know, I saw against Oregon, they struggled 35 to 28. And then Penn State, they were down, it was 33 24. They beat Penn State, but I was at that game. They just didn't look, they didn't look It smooth wasn't in dominating. Game. And then they barely beat Nebraska 26 17. So they're either, they're like, if they're running great, like the supercar, like the car's running great, they're going to win. If the car's not running great, they're going to struggle. They might get through. But it was like one of those things where, I think Ohio State made a huge mistake in this game. They've been scoring so quickly. Why would you defer? First of all, it's snowing out. Everything like that they they take they defer the, to the second half. By deferring the second half, they let Michigan go down and then ten play seventy-five yard drives in five minutes. They converted on third and second, third and first, uh, third and uh, one, third and one, and third and two. Uh, first downs and they scored a touchdown, but they just ran it right down Ohio State. I would have taken the ball and scored. Like I just don't <laughs> like. I don't like deferring to the second half when you have a great offense like that. And then like Ohio State messed up and then and didn't you know, had the punt. Michigan then threw an interception, but then Ohio State got down. It was first and goal in the Michigan five. So here's their chance to you know they're down seven nothing tie the game up. But that's where they made. They had like six illegal procedure penalties and they they got back and then Hutchinson sacked CJ Stroud and they only got a field goal. And then Michigan punted and then they actually went and scored and made 10-7. So there was a point in the second quarter where you're like, okay, now Ohio State's gonna get this game under control, it's great. But when Ohio State scored, Michigan made it 10-7. Michigan went right back. 13 plays, 82 yards, 5 minutes and 21 seconds. They converted three thir- a third down and a fourth down, and they got made it 14-10. Ohio State made it 14-13 at halftime. But I think going back and scoring that touchdown, it just shows Ohio State's defense was weak, and, and I, that's what's set up for the second half.
0: So let's talk about Ira on Sports. True these channel, Mike Balsamo here. Don't forget to follow Ira all across the country following amazing sporting events at Ira on Sports, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook.
1: Well, the second half was, again, Ohio State deferred. What do they do when you defer? I always like to see, okay, a team defers the second half. They went three and out. Three runs, they punted the ball. So really, that was a great deferral. You're now stuck in this tough game. But what does Michigan do? Three plays, 81 yards, Three runs, Quorum for 13 yards, Quorum for 55 yards, Haskins, 13 yards, touchdown, boom, 21-13. So now look what happens, and then Ohio State punts, and then Michigan goes down again with a couple passes, they had that flea flicker in there, made it 28-13, and after that, then it was like they had that lead, and Ohio State scored. Ohio State went and scored, made it 28-20, but then they couldn't stop Michigan. Every time they scored, the Michigan scored a touchdown, Ohio State went down, scored a touchdown, Michigan goes and scores another touchdown. Ohio State couldn't get the ball with a chance to like, you know tie the game because Michigan, they couldn't stop Michigan. And Michigan just kept running and running the ball. 289 yards by Haskins, had five touchdowns rushing. Uh, It was just huge. I mean, Ryan Day, the Ohio State coach, hadn't lost a Big 10 game. He was 26-0. They had won 21 in a row over ranked teams. Uh, Just a humongous win. All the pressure, all the criticism. It was great to see. I mean, this, and we're gonna talk about Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. Same situation. And then the fans are rushing the field. You have hundreds of thousands of people going on the field. Just so much excitement to see in that game.
0: Let's uh, move on to the number three team in the country. Uh, at that time is Alabama. And this is a team that we've seen really be the juggernaut of the last decade. And Ira, watching this team week in and week out, there's so many games like this where they just played. They beat Auburn, took four overtimes they just don't, they're not dominating people like they have in the past. There was a lot of these close games that could have went either way this year for them, and I'm just really not that high on them. I think, you know, the line being six and a half for the national championship, too low, but let's talk about uh, Alabama and Auburn here, because it did get really exciting at the end.
1: It's called the Iron Bowl because it used to be played in Birmingham, which was the iron capital of the world, so that's why they call it, they used to play the game, since 1999, now they've been playing at either uh, in Auburn or in Tuscaloosa, Um, but Auburn has beat Alabama in Auburn a couple times in 2013, remember the kick six when they returned the kickoff the field goal at the end of the game Mm -hmm. for a touchdown they won in 2017 when Alabama was number one and in 2019 so when uh, Nick Saban won he was so ecstatic in this game and you could see he's had trouble I mean they've been they were a 20 point favorite a 20 point favorite and they weren't able to do it Bryce Young 25 for 51 317 yards two touchdowns he had seven sacks against him but that drive at the end i think won him the heisman because i think stroud his competition was stroud against ohio state and who did not have a just had an okay game but didn't win the game i think the fact that young was able to, to hold out and and do it i mean look at the stats of the game Alabama only had 18 first downs but auburn had 11. uh third downs alabama was 8 for 22 on third down <laughs> auburn was five for 18. total yards Auburn only had 159 yards for the game. Alabama had almost 400. Um, Each team only committed one turnover, but it was... Things were going crazy 0 at the end of the first quarter 7 nothing Auburn and then finally at the end of the first half Alabama goes a whole half against Auburn And doesn't score a point This is an Auburn team that I saw against Penn State Where Penn State was moving the ball against yeah. them So it was that Auburn had a field goal to make it 10-0 Then Bryce Young threw an interception you're thinking This game is oh, <laughs> it's over And then there's two minutes to go in the third quarter And then Bama was trying to hit a field goal They messed up the snap of the field goal Then they missed the field goal They're still down 10-0 and then, But then Auburn throws an interception reception and that that, that led to it finally a field goal from alabama to make it 10-3 but the ending of the game was just there were so many just one play goes a different way auburn wins this game the uh, bama gets the ball on their own two two yard limit 440 to go they get it to the 46 with two minutes left they go of course on fourth down they get stopped on fourth and one alabama gets stopped game's over so, alabama, so um auburn gets the ball uh, tank Bigsby he uh, runs the ball timeout runs the ball again for 10 yards he steps out of bounds. Like if he stays in bounds just for 10 yards, then, then the clock starts running, it's like 40 seconds. Finally, they, you know, they stopped him, they called another timeout. So Auburn punts to the Alabama three yard line, Alabama gets it on the 3-yard line with 1.32 left. Really, it should be like 30 seconds left. Down 10-3, there's no way they would have came back. That extra minute and a half. But they got on a 12-play, 97-yard drive. They converted on 3rd and 10 with a 22-yard pass. There was 4th and 7 on the Auburn 42, and Young threw to Billingsby on a 4th and 7 for a first down. And then a 3rd and 10 on the Auburn 28. uh, They... uh, uh, Bryce Young threw to Brooks for a 20 yard touchdown. They go into, they tie it, but of course now they have that crazy overtime system where they each score an overtime and then they go each kick a field goal and then you have to do the two point conversion and Auburn doesn't get the two point and Alabama does and wins the game. But I mean, it was Bryce Young, that drive, I mean, getting the ball with a minute and a half on the three yard line, no timeouts and leading it, just amazing. And and I think that was, but it just shows you at home. We saw, we're gonna talk about Oklahoma State. We're gonna talk about Michigan. In these rivalry games at home, it's hard to win as a road team. This home team has a huge advantage, especially in these rivalry games.
0: Yeah, and it's not like you're traveling a, a very far distance either, yeah. especially in this one. But yeah, crazy at when, I, I like your, t- you know, you've been kind of claiming Bryce Young here for, I don't know, nine weeks <laughs> and then he's gonna win it. And you're right, he may have just cemented it with, with that drive there, especially seeing some of the other guys fall off this weekend.
1: Right. I think he's. I think I would be shocked if he doesn't win it because Stroud lost. I think if Stroud would have won, they would be closer. But I just don't see how you can't give it to Bryce Young. You can't give it to anybody on George's team. And so I don't, you know, again, Michigan doesn't have anybody that's really should, should get the Heisman. I just, I think it's his.
0: Cincinnati, um, granted, Alabama did not lose, but still not, a, uh, not a, something glaring on their resume as looking good. Cincinnati played ECU and they had to beat them and they did.
1: 35 13. Most important thing that happened was that Houston kept winning. So Houston. Houston is now, you're saying, why does this matter with Houston? Because the problem with some of these non-Power 5 teams playing is that in the, their conference championship, they don't really play a good team. Like, Cincinnati was dominant. But Houston now has won 11 games in a row. They're 11-1. and they only lost to Texas Tech. And they're ranked 16th in the country. We'll see when the poll comes out tomorrow what they are over in the playoff poll. But now, when they play, when Cincinnati plays Houston, they're not playing someone, they're favored by 10, but they're playing a 16th ranked team in the country. So that's going to matter and this game's going to mean something. And I think that helps. And remember, Cincinnati hasn't lost all year. They beat Notre Dame at Notre Dame. They beat Indiana. And I think that's where, I think most importantly what happened this weekend was that the fact that Houston won and set up this 12-0 versus an 11-1 game in the American Football Conference Championship. Let's talk about uh, Notre Dame. Well, Notre Dame is just sitting there. They're done. Like Notre Dame can't lose. Nothing happened. Notre Dame needs people in front. They played Stanford and beat them 45-14. Game wasn't close. Um, they have, they, Notre Dame's had a weird year. They beat Florida State. You saw that first game. Whenever I thought Florida State was good, and like the overtime. But Toledo, Purdue, off and on. Wisconsin, not that great a year. Virginia Tech, not great a year. I mean, everyone they had on their schedule. USC, not a good year. UNC, North Carolina, not a good year. Navy, Virginia, Georgia Tech, Stanford. It's just, everyone they scheduled had a bad year. It's like, if you scheduled Notre Dame, you're gonna have, like, I think, (laughs) if you look at the schedule when the year started, you're like, boy, that schedule looks pretty tough. But in retrospect, it it wasn't good enough. And And their problem is that loss at home to Cincinnati now puts them they still have a chance, though, because other things can happen. We'll go when we're done with talking these games. Things can happen, that get them in. If a couple, two two teams lose ahead of them, they're, I think, going to be in it, but they're sitting at six right
0: now. It, there is There could be some potential wild finishes here, and Ira's going to break it all down for you in a minute, and I hope there is a little bit of chaos here as we uh, as we head into the, the playoff system. Let's go to the Big 12. Oklahoma State beats Oklahoma, and it's not even close to the biggest news out of that state for the day, but let's talk about, <laughs> or for the weekend, but let's talk about that game first.
1: Well, it was a wild and wild, game. I mean, I have, I was screaming, it was at night, and first of all, this is one of those things where it's called Bedlam, so it's the big game. Oklahoma State was on a six-game losing streak to Oklahoma in the game. Um, Oklahoma State the last 16 games is 2-14. and 14. Mike Gundy, who's been at Oklahoma State for like 30 years, so he's played as a coach, as a player, an assistant coach, a coach. His record is 5-24-1. So <laughs> it's really awful. But at 24-24 at halftime, and then Oklahoma gets a safety in the game, and then Oklahoma punts back, and then they actually punt the ball. Back, Oklahoma State fumbles the ball and they scored easy touchdowns. So now Oklahoma's up 33 24. You think this game is totally over, but Oklahoma State scores a touchdown. They score another touchdown because Oklahoma makes another stupid fumble and they take the lead 37 33. But twice Caleb Williams for Oklahoma was like trying to lead a drive back, It stopped on fourth down, and then sort of like Bryce Young, he's leading this crazy drive at the end. There's like no time left and he ran the ball for 56 yards. He's running around the field. He's so fast and so strong and he gets down to like what the 20 yard line they finally tackle them and then they actually don't score on the downs but oklahoma state huge win again they, they go on the field everything's crazy it's the pandemonium it's great just like the michigan game uh just with all that excitement but a huge win for oklahoma state because now they only have one loss they could they play baylor now for the big 12 title they win that game maybe they get a chance to come in for the National Championship, for the college football playoff.
0: Yeah, they're another one that's a live long shot here to slide their way in. What happened with Baylor? Well,
1: Baylor did what they had to do, which is win 27-24. They had to win that game to get into the Big 12 Championship game because now so they'll be playing it. But that they've set themselves up, and as something crazy and wacko happens, if they beat Oklahoma State and everyone else loses ahead of them, they, I doubt it. But with two losses, they might have a chance to get into this. That. Well,
0: that's what we're talking about. There's a lot of scenarios here. Um, what about uh, Mississippi, Mississippi State?
1: Well, just real fast about it, it's called the Egg Bowl. Uh, Matt Corral was it was, we everyone's been talking about maybe the first uh, quarterback taken. So I always enjoy watching him play, see how he's improving. He's been injured this year a little bit, but um, Mississippi's now ten and two. I mean, they're said Lane Kiffin had a great year. Um, they're, they're ranked ninth in the country, but they don't have another game to play. They're not playing in the SEC championship. Alabama is, Georgia is, so I think Mississippi's on the outs. Even though they're going to play in a one of the games on New Year's Day, um, they're going to probably play in the Peach Bowl or a Sugar Bowl or something. Or probably the Sugar Bowl, but uh, it was just a good year for Mississippi to go to go ten and two. And Kiffin, if he stays there, is at least building on that program.
0: Uh, Texas A and M and LSU played. I
1: just love that end of the game because you know. LSU has no coach everyone else is hiring a coach it's Ed Orangonian's last game they were down 24-0 uh, 24-20 first and 15 on their own 157 and had this amazing drive to, they converted a fourth and six and they scored with 20 seconds to go to win the game great win for a Coach O you know, he, after the game they said are you going to coach the bowl game he goes oh I'm going to go to Desden Desden is Destin. That, Destin. sorry Destin, with my girlfriend and just, sit, and, just and just sit on a boat <laughs> that was what he said and of course he got paid $18 million to go away. Um, but I, I bring that up because I really, you know, I, I question why he was fired. I that The fact that LSU cannot get a coach, they're, they're so, the fans at LSU think they are this destination of all destinations. And when someone like Lincoln Riley turns them down and they can't, now they're uh, a Kelly for Notre Dame. They're I mean, they're, they they might as well think that Bill Belichick's going to be the coach at <laughs> LSU.
0: It wouldn't be one of the craziest rumors we've uh, had swirling around this weekend. Keeping it in state, Florida played Florida State.
1: Well, it was the way winner goes to a bowl it was sort of like one of those games where they're both going in the game five and six and who was gonna get who was gonna win that game um, Florida ended up winning the game it was 24 21 but Florida State missed the postseason for a second time in third year Anthony Richardson replaced Emory Jones but I mean there's now an entire Billy Napier is gonna be the coach at Florida everything's gonna change um, this was just one of those type of games where people were just. We'll see what's going to happen after. But again, rivalry game. Uh, Florida end up winning at home.
0: Talk about Iowa and Nebraska, and Iowa could be shaping up to uh, be pretty important here going forward. I,
1: well, I bring up the Big Ten, so we're going to mention. I'm just going to go through these two Big Ten games. I would beat Nebraska 28-21. Iowa, they lost. To, they were they were rolling this year. They were six and zero. They had beat Penn State. They were number two in the country. Then they they had beat Iowa State and Penn State. Then they lose to Purdue twenty four seven. Wisconsin twenty seven to seven. Everyone forgets about Iowa. Yeah, uh, forget about it. But then now they've won four in a row: Northwestern, Minnesota, Illinois, and Nebraska. Suddenly they're set up now to play Michigan. I think they can win. I, I mean, know. I know. Michigan's coming off this huge victory over Ohio State. I was sitting there ready for the Big Ten Championship game, maybe to pull the big upset. And what got them in is that Minnesota played Wisconsin and Minnesota upset Wisconsin. The, Wisconsin had a chance if they beat Minnesota to play in the, the, in, the, in, the, in the Big Ten Championship game. They end up losing 23-13. And then all the fans in Minnesota rushed the field. I mean, they had a, there was another stadium that had all those people down there. So both schools ended up eight and four uh, on the year. So that was like, and to me, now, Iowa, this it sets up the Iowa-Michigan game. And I think if people think that, oh, no, Michigan's going to be beat Ohio State, the, the letdown, the, they have been celebrating for three days. I mean, it's <laughs> been crazy. I have friends in Michigan. It's been one long party to think that they can go from that to then suddenly play Iowa and think, I don't know about that. Like, I, I would not be surprised at all that Iowa wins this it's
0: game. This is the definition of a trap game, if you're ever going to call one that. I mean, you would think that Harbaugh is not going to overlook them. But as you said, this is a team that— Probably better than, than what they look like. You know, the, the sum of the parts here. Talk about Penn State. You guys played Michigan State.
1: <laughs> well, I was a terrible game. They ended up losing. Penn State lost to Michigan State. What's interesting. Was going into this week, uh, Mel Tucker, the coach at Michigan State, who really he was the top. He was a top assistant at LSU, Ohio State, the Browns, Jaguars, Bay, Alabama. But really, his record at Purdue was five and seven. Then Michigan State he was two and five last year, ten and two. So it's a seventeen and fourteen record, and now he got a ninety-five million dollar contract. I mean, he gets paid more money than Bill Belichick does. Crazy. Mike Tomlin, like he's the <laughs> highest paid coach. I mean, it's, it's right up I think Nick Saban. There, no one knows what Saban's contract really is, but he gets that. And then James Franklin gets a $75 million contract and his record is, you know, he's 7-6, 7-6, 9-4. I mean, 4-5 and five and 7-5 and five gets $75 million from, because I think what happens is that all these schools fire their coaches and if you want to retain your coaches, you ended up using that to get, to leverage it to get money. So that's why Franklin and Tucker, Michigan State didn't want to lose their coach. Penn State didn't want to lose their coach, and sort of that's what happened in that game. But again, Penn State, it was snowing, the <laughs> weather was terrible. I was thinking you know, I was going to go to that game, but that was been a terrible one. You probably made it. the right uh, no, decision no.
0: <laughs> in that one. It's 7.25. You're listening to Ira on Sports on the True Oldies channel. Don't forget, Ira's all over social media, at Ira on Sports. Let's talk a little uh, Miami. They've had a lot of trouble with Duke over the last five years or so. They kind of have a lame duck coach. We don't really know what that's going to be, but they didn't have a lame duck performance against them this week.
1: Uh, Again, 47 to 10, but what's happened is that this has been a weird year for, again... You got to be careful who you schedule that first game. They yeah. lose to Alabama. It's sort of like the wheels fell off. They yeah. play Michigan State. People didn't know how good Michigan State was. They lose that game. Then they lost to North Carolina, Florida State. Just a sort of a mess. But remember, the last six games, now they have won five out of six. Alex Van Dyke has passed for three hundred yards, four hundred yards, three eighty nine, three fifty seven, three eighty one. I mean, they've done well. Like this has been a really good in terms of like they played well. And at, I don't. I would keep Manny Diaz. I mean, six and seven his first year, eight, three, and seven and five, but now he has his quarterback that's gonna come back next year, be great. Um, I would just be, I, I think this, I would not make the change for Diaz, and I think with all these other coaches going, and it was, the thing that I struck me more than anything is I'm watching all these games on TV, Everybody's playing in front of hundred thousand people, seventy five thousand people. Games are going crazy. Miami played in front of like three thousand people at Duke. I mean, there was more people at Cameron Indoor Stadium by far than <laughs> than, than would have been at that game. There was nobody at that game. No one cared. Miami doesn't have that end of the year rivalry. They don't have those end of the games that people pack the stands for. It's hard. I think Miami is a. When you watch that, and they don't play on campus, there's a lot of negative. Things and as you mentioned earlier in the show, it's like people don't these 20-year kids don't remember when Miami was great.
0: Yeah, yeah. If you're a recruit now, you were not alive the last time Miami <laughs> was great. There's no allure to, to Miami. A lot of those guys have retired from the NFL already. Maybe you see them get the Hall of Fame inducted. It, it'll bring back the memory a little bit. What happened with Pitt and Cuse?
1: Well, I was gonna Pitt beat Syracuse, but the key thing was, and they're gonna play Wake Forest for the ACC title. And they're not the winner will not get to the college playoff. They each have two losses, not really a chance to get in, but can he pick it? Now, every talk about this, is a player gonna come back? Kenny Pickett, he his, his he's a fifth-year senior for Pitt. Last three years, two years, three years ago, it was 12 touchdowns, six interceptions. 13 touchdowns, nine interceptions. 13 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Looks like someone who's going to be an accountant the rest of his life. you know, not really <laughs> going to play. You're not great. Comes back this year, 40 touchdowns, seven interceptions. This is Joe Burrow-like. Yep. And now he's a first-round pick. I mean, this guy, talk about someone who went back to Pitt and now suddenly made himself... Who knows how much money? I mean, that's unbelievable. That just shows that some of these quarterbacks, when you go out or some of these other basketball players, maybe go back and improve. And that really set up well and it helped Pitt. It was, Kenny Pickett is just, what a great year from him. And they'll play Wake Forest in the ACC title. And the other game would have been the, the Clemson. Uh, Clemson's now won five in a row. They beat South Carolina 30 to nothing. And it's like one of those years they lost to Georgia, just like Miami, you talked about Alabama. You scheduled those tough games at the beginning of the year. This year did not end up at all with the three losses, but when your standard is so high, Clemson's played to the playoffs every single year. That it's hard, but I think they're gonna they'll they'll right the ship, they'll figure it
0: out. Yeah, I wouldn't be too worried about it. You're coming off a generational quarterback as well. A lot of of stuff changing there. You want to talk a little NC State UNC?
1: I just want to mention the game because that was the craziest game of the end. Because NC State UNC was up thirty to twenty one with two minutes to go in the game. They're up nine with two minutes to go. And he, and NC State scores on a 64 yard touchdown pass. You know, you're supposed to like work the ball down, like runs the time out. They immediately score. They kick an onside kick. And UNC's with three people around the ball. They just stand there and look at the ball like it's a punt. They let NC State recover. The NC State scores another touchdown. I could not believe, like they scored two touchdowns in 20 seconds in, off the top of it. It was a terrible loss for North Carolina, but just, you always think, how can this happen? Like everyone's, you want to turn the TV off on that one. I'm like, oh, I'm going to keep it on. And then uh, NC State ended up winning 34-30. And what
0: happened in the Pac-12 besides news on Sunday?
1: <laughs> Just really, Oregon is now playing Utah for the Pac-12 championship game. Neither team, sort of like the ACC and the Pac-12, both are going to have championship games that it's going to play Friday no one cares about. Um, I thought it was interesting. BYU beat USC on Saturday night. Game was over. I was up to like 1.30 to watch it. 35-31. There might have been like 15,000 people at the Coliseum. And little did anyone realize that within 20. 24 hours, they're going to get Lincoln Riley as your coach. So, um,
0: Before we uh, start talking about that, get your abacus out, get your Excel spreadsheet. Ira, what's happening here in this last no, week? No,
1: it's easy. It's easy. <laughs> Georgia's in. Win or lose, they're in. If Alabama wins, of course, they're in. If Alabama loses, I still think they're in. I'm one of the only people maybe alive that still thinks if Alabama keeps that game close to Georgia, they're in. Michigan plays Iowa. Michigan wins, they're in. Iowa beats Michigan, they're not in. But it, but then Alabama, you know, we just talked about them. But Cincinnati is going to be like the fourth or third or fourth. They'll be in if they beat Houston. So what does Oklahoma State need? Oklahoma State needs to beat Baylor, and they need Michigan to lose or Cincinnati to lose or maybe Alabama to lose badly and then yeah. say, oh, now we're going to move up. That's their chance. But then you're Notre Dame. You're like, well, Notre Dame has no chance. But if two of those three things happen, if Michigan loses, if Cincinnati loses, then they have a chance to move up into, they could actually move into the being one of the four teams that would get in it. So I think the question to look at is, how does Bama do against Georgia? If they lose, it's going to be a close game. Can Michigan end up winning? And then if Oklahoma State, how they do it, I mean, can Oklahoma State really just needs one thing to happen and they're going to get in into the, uh, they have to win themselves, but they can lose too. I mean, Baylor could beat them. They're only five and a half point favorites. Baylor's a really good team. So. So a lot of crazy things happen. And we met discussed this. If everything happens, that's nuts. And if Cincinnati loses and Oklahoma State loses, that puts Notre Dame in there and Michigan loses. Maybe an Iowa gets in because they beat, yeah. they beat Michigan, or a maybe Baylor. a Baylor gets yeah. in. But that would be, that would take. But I'm usually nothing <laughs> crazy, but, but looking at this, I mean Georgia is if Georgia beats Alabama and Alabama doesn't get it, I cannot see a Michigan, a Cincinnati, Oklahoma State, or Notre Dame within 20. 25 points of Georgia like they are so much better than than Dude, this is perfect They're they're made for Georgia to beat them.
0: How much do you think goes into it? The fact that maybe the NCAA doesn't want to see Georgia play Alabama two weeks in a row
1: they would clearly not put Alabama at four. They'd have to put them at three. There's no way yeah. they would put them in. At, they would do what they did before. You know, they would put them in at two or three. They would never put Alabama in at four to have another rematch right then and there.
0: Yeah, that's just, the whole thing. Just a little bit strange. But it's uh, we got to see it on on the uh, well, that's, Iowa, this well. That's weekend. what
1: that's what tomorrow. You know, next on you got Georgia versus Alabama at four o'clock. You got Cincinnati Houston at four o'clock. Oklahoma State plays Baylor at twelve o'clock, and then at night you have the Big Ten championship game, Michigan and Iowa. So that's where all I'm, I love this weekend. I love all you know. This is the End of college football, really. So until the, the playoff, the two playoff games and the final games. Because then now, you know, we have the bowl season coming up, but to see how these players are treating the bowls, they're not playing in the bowl games. So the the luster of the bowls are really going away because if your team is not playing for the cultural playoffs, you're seeing all the star players sit out for these bowl games.
0: And, and I don't blame them after, you know, some unfortunate things we've seen over the past couple of years. Let's talk about the coaching carousel a little bit here. Uh, uh, Bill Napier is going to be the new coach replacing um, Dan Mullen at the University of Florida. A lot of my friends that are Florida fans are really excited about this. I don't really know if this is an upgrade or not. What do you think? I just think it's fine. So Napier is only 40 years old, 42 years old, but he was... Um, the
1: first year offensive coordinator at Clemson, when Dabo Sweetie took over the team, he became the offensive coordinator when he was like in his like early, like uh, like 29 or yeah. something like that. So he became the offensive coordinator, but in the second year he was fired. Dabo fired him because he didn't have a good year after the first year. Then he went on to Saban. Nick Saban as like a personal assistant to Saban. Then he went to Colorado State as a quarterback coach. Then Jimbo Fisher hired him at Florida State for like a month <laughs> and he left there after a month, went back to Bama. And this is what I find interesting. He was at Alabama for four years as a wide receiver coach wanting to be offensive coordinator, and Saban never made the offensive coordinator. He brought in Kiffin, he brought in Sarkeesian, he never let Napier become the offensive coordinator. He was this genius offensive mind You would think that Saban would have made him the offensive coordinator. Then he went to Arizona State as an offensive coordinator for a year, coach got fired there, and then he got hired at Louisiana, seven and seven his first year, then 11-3, 10-2, and 11-1. I, I don't know. I I just think, you know, Louisiana didn't have any of these big wins. They it's just a weird it's a it's it's I think it's 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 uh with risk. I, I would say that I'm not sure that this is going to be like I I would not have fired Dan Mullen. Like I think he this this year got away from him, but I think he was like a couple years ago I mean, I think for the his history at Mississippi State and his history
0: at Florida, I would have kept him. I think when you look at the records and the resumes, I think Mullen is a better coach than Napier. Well, it's like you're saying about the University of Miami. Who are you going to replace this guy with? And now we're looking at Kind of not an unknown commodity, but yeah, this he wasn't an, an offensive coordinator in the SEC and, and killing it. His Resume is just not what some of these other guys are, and there's nobody else out there. I don't know what's going to happen, but I do know that USC is has found their guy in Lincoln Riley. Everyone's cell phones started going nuts when this news broke. And I think it was because nobody really saw this coming. It looked like Lincoln Riley was entrenched in Oklahoma, but he's packing his bags head heading to the West Coast.
1: It was so funny. The game is over. You talk about when they didn't ask Aaron Rodgers the right question. So after the Oklahoma game, they asked Lincoln Riley, like, "Where are you going to coach at LSU? And he goes, I am not coaching be going to be the football coach at LSU. But they didn't follow up. But how about USC? Like <laughs> that was the question So then he takes the LSU job. But Lincoln Riley, he's just talking about Young. He's 38 years old. He was under Texas Tech. He played at Texas Tech and then under Mike Leach in the Air Raid offense there. I, and then in five seasons he was offensive coordinator at East Carolina and then he went back at Oklahoma for just two seasons offensive coordinator under Stoops. Bob Stoops was there. And Stoops, we had him on the show last year yeah. and he said, "I knew the moment Lincoln Riley stepped in here, he was going to be the coach and that's why I felt comfortable about leaving so he became the head coach at 33 years old at oklahoma 12 and 2 12 and 2 12 and 2 9 and 2 10 and 2 four time big 12 champs in five years he made the playoffs three years just have a the names Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and Jalen Hurts—three quarterbacks in the NFL playing yeah. for him there—and uh, his final rankings in four years is third, fourth, sixth, and sixth. Um, and uh, now he's going to be coaching at uh, at USC. I, I, I was looking at his history; his two dogs are named Boomer and Sooner. So <laughs> I don't know if the dogs those. are going. His daughters are named <laughs> Sloan and Stella. It's lucky that he didn't name yeah. after them after that. But um, it, this is this is USC. I, I was there. I, we talked about the UCLA game. Their self-importance of they view USC as the greatest school. Like they, in their mind, feel that they are the number one school in college. We on the East Coast, look at them like USC they just think they're the best. They have their, they tell everyone they're best. They won the national championships, the Heisman trophies, the uh, football players in the NFL, the football players in the Hall of Fame, everything. And they just feel like they're the best. And they, and now I think they paid him $15 million a year. So now they are paying, but they, to get the coach, the Mike Bond, their athletic director, what a hire. I mean, they went through the whole, they were lucky at Pete Carroll, then they hired the Lane Kiffin, and they had Steve Sarkeesian, and then they had Aragonian, er- who yeah. was there for, I mean, it's just a mess in terms of different coaches and figuring out. But but this is the one time they went out and got the coach they really wanted, and just a great move. And it was weird, about a month ago, um, uh, Lincoln Riley disappeared for a day. He said it took a personal day. And people were like, what happened? Is it health related? They didn't know what it was. And it, really, he was interviewing for USC at the time, in the middle of the season. Yeah, so before, before the <laughs> Baylor game, right. So, <laughs> but I think the question really is now what happens with Oklahoma? Um, I love how Cliff Kingsbury has been. Yeah, made. like come
0: on, you got to leave Arizona to at- go to, back to college. Wait,
1: for people who don't. Know, he's the Arizona Cardinal NFL <laughs> coach, which is the best record in the NFL with the number with the quarterback Kyler Murray. He's not going to go back. I think that's Cliff Kingsbury, just agent trying to say let's get some more <laughs> yeah. money. And then, but Bob Stoops, who's now going to coach the team in the bowl game, could go back and become the head coach. He's only been gone for four years or five years. It's not been like forever. They could go back. His brother Mark Stoops is in Kentucky, uh, Matt Campbell's at Iowa State. Someone could be mentioned. Another one, Brett Venables at Clemson. He's the star defensive coordinator there. He's only 50 years old. From 99 to 2011, he was the Oklahoma defensive coordinator, and so there, there's Ties a lot. The there is a lot of names. Josh Heupel, who was at uh, um, at Central Florida, who then who then went to uh, Tennessee. Maybe would go back. I doubt that. And even Lane Kiffin's name comes up as any as any opening goes. He only been in Mississippi two years, but that should be interesting. And, and the one job is LSU. Like again, it was so funny that LSU and USC, both schools that think. I mean, LSU more than anyone else. I mean, they. Think they're the center of the universe? Like they're like. Oh, now we're gonna get Brian Kelly. We're gonna get someone else again. Uh, they they. There's really nothing right now for LSU.
0: Let's um move on to the NFL here, Ira. Ira run Sports these channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. It's seven thirty eight. Don't forget, Ira's on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at Ira on Sports. I gotta tell you, Ira, your game. I did not see this coming. I, I I. The Browns have been playing just bad. They can't score on anybody. You guys have been playing pretty consistent bangles, football. Bengals, Bengals, uh, Bengals. I'm sorry. Um, playing pretty consistent football. I didn't see this coming. And, man, I don't know if it's just Joe Mixon took you guys out of the rhythm because of how how well he was running, but... You guys didn't look good yesterday. <laughs> no, I mean, the score was 24 to 3. The Steelers were
1: down 24 to 3 at the end of the first half. And you're like, okay, well, let's get out. Then they go and throw a pick six at the end of the half mm-hmm. to Mike Hilton, who used to play the Steelers, who couldn't do anything when he played with the Steelers. But then he picks off Ben, and it was 31 to 3. Cincinnati rushed for 200 yards. Joe Nixon ran for 165 yards and two touchdowns, 117 yards in the first half. Uh, just, I mean, the Steelers kept Ben in the game till the final end, which is great for me because I have started in fantasy. But Steelers defense was horrendous. I mean, it was everything. This was a complete disaster for the Steelers. They're now five, five, and one. This team is now they've now lost two games. They lost to the Chargers, and now they lost to the Bengals, and they tied to the Lions. So they were riding. They were five and five and three, and looking good. And now they've lost two, and they had the, the tie, which was and everything. I'm still not. They have a tough schedule left. They have Baltimore twice. They have the Browns. They have Tennessee, they have Kansas City, and they have at Minnesota. So they have a really tough road. But look, everyone says, oh, they're going to bench Ben. They're not benching Ben. I mean, the Steelers, until they're mathematically eliminated, they're, this is it.
0: Yeah. So, no, it, well, yeah, why would they bench Ben? They're still you know, some room at the at the bottom of the AFC playoff pool. It's it's a long shot, I And yeah, you know, 5-5-1. Five, five, and one. It's a long battle up from here, but they're not going to Mason. And
1: I also don't think, I mean, people say maybe they'll sign Russell. Look, if, unless they sign a free agent, they're going to draft somebody and they'll draft someone. It won't be uh, Rudolph and it won't be Haskins, but um, uh, I think, though, Ben could be back next year. As stupid as people think that's the craziest thing in the world, because you're not going to have a Kelly Pickett start the year. Like, you're going to have a veteran there to, to work with him to start the beginning of the year. So, I I don't think this is the end of Ben. like i really don't think i th- and i still think i'm not giving up on the steelers anyway but tj watt now has covid so he's going to be out for the next game even the, these this next game against baltimore if they have
0: they, this is a must win absolutely it's a definition a must win here let's keep it in the afc north um cleveland and baltimore ugly game baltimore's been in a lot of these ugly games this year but they got the win
1: Oh, was it one of the I mean considering that December 2020 the score was the Ravens won forty seven to forty two. Mm-hmm. This game was unbelievable. There was this one there was this one series where Lamar Jackson threw an interception, Lamar Jackson threw another interception, Baker Mayfield fumbled the ball, and Lamar Jackson threw another interception, and then there was another interception, another fumble. It was like Lamar Jackson threw four interceptions. Baker Mayfield fumbled the ball. They tried to flea flicker, Jarvis Landley fumbled the ball. It was a disaster in terms of how this was I mean it was just horrendous both ways, and but even the the Browns had a chance. they were down 16-10, and they were down. They had they had uh, three times the chance to win the game on a touchdown, and they got 25 yards, three yards, and seven yards on four plays, three different times. Couldn't even move the ball. Just. It's weird. I mean, it's like one of those things where you say, "Oh well, the Steelers have no chance." When you watch these two teams play, it's like I can't believe two teams can. And they were—it was just a mess. They were—they were not holding. The interceptions were bad. Lamar Jackson looked terrible. Mayfield looked awful. The teams looked—they were committing penalties just a terrible game harbaugh now though uh this is other thing john harbaugh not jim harbaugh there was a great win over teams from ohio he's now 18-2 and (laughs) in primetime games and he's uh 23-4 against the browns so a big weekend for the harbaugh family over teams from (laughs) ohio
0: (laughs) let's um let's talk about this tampa bay and indy game indy came in riding high in this game off jonathan taylor's amazing performance battle versus buffalo Tampa Bay did a really good job of slowing down Jonathan Taylor. You're not going to stop him completely, but it, he wasn't running reckless like he had been uh, going into this game. Nice win for for Tom Brady here.
1: Well, you're up 24-14 and you're beating Tampa
0: Bay. Don't commit five turnovers. So they just kept
1: again Indianapolis the mistakes. Carson Wentz is going to commit these. He fumbled the ball. The interceptions. He makes some
0: really nice throws too. He, in between the the mess ups. Uh,
1: his throws are great, and then but then he just the fumble. That was the key. I mean, they he, you know they're up 24-14. Don't fumble the ball. He gets sacked. That sort of and you just any and, and they converted every single turnover Tampa Bay scored on and that's what they were able to come back and uh, uh, now Brady is now 16-4 and four against the Colts uh, which is against of course Peyton Manning I, I thought it was funny there was a good quote I love Vina Vea who's the star defensive lineman for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers he lost a tooth in the game yeah. and Bruce Arians goes it doesn't matter he has 30 more
0: <laughs> <laughs> Bruce Arians is always good for a good press uh, post game press interview let's talk about Tennessee and New England New England now hottest team in the AFC. You can't really... Not that anyone's picking them to to win the AFC, but they're the hottest team in the AFC. Tennessee just... Really did not look good this entire game. I well, Tennessee was eight and
1: two. They lost Henry, their star running back, and then they beat the Rams. And they beat the Rams, and everyone's saying, "Well," and I just you didn't. It was like smoke and mirrors. Yeah. And now they look like ten, they're looking like you thought they were going to look. New England destroys them. They're eight and four now, so they're still going to make the playoffs. And they ran for two hundred seventy yards. They actually, got running from Hillard and Ford They did a seventy
0: nine yard run, which had uh, the unbelievable.
1: Numbers. But but Mac Jones again, three hundred yards, two touchdowns. Again, these wide receivers now, Jacoby Myers and Kendrick Bourne, are they're finally getting some wide receiver play. And everyone's saying Bill Belichick's doing the best coaching job he's ever had, all this other stuff. But it was you 16-13 know, halftime. Pat scored 20 points in the second half. But it, New
0: England's rolling. I mean, they've won six in a row. Cam Newton, he was back, all right, two weeks ago. Um, I don't know what that was yesterday versus Miami. Congratulations to, to – the Miami defense, obviously, Brian Flores, they put together a heck of a game plan, but man, that was really poor from Carolina. And it looked like just an, a small issue for uh, Christian McCaffrey yesterday, said it might be a week to week. He's out for the season now. That guy's made of glass.
1: Yeah. A Mac. He's now, after signing the $64 million contract, he's going to play 10 out of 33 possible games. Yeah. But I think the key of this game was to a, He's now, in the, last, in the last, against the Jets, he was 27 to 33. This week, he was 27 to 31. So he's only missed, uh, what, 10 passes out of 60, 64? I mean, this is a this 90, 80% uh, mm-hmm. percentage. He looked great, led the team well, and Waddle. This is what we've, <laughs> nine catches, Welcome 137 yards, one touchdown. The big plays are trying to throw it more than like one yard passes down the field. Look great. Um, big win for Miami. And again, when you're playing an easy schedule, you can win games. You've, you've said that from day one. You looked at them three days, three games ago, you made the statement.
0: That they could win four in a row coming into Jets, Carolina, Giants, Jets. That's any team in the NFL could win those, but you have to do it. And look at them now. They won four in a row. This could be six, seven in a row once it's all said and done. Five and seven. They play Giants and Jets.
1: They could take them to seven and seven. They could beat the Saints who haven't been playing well. Make go up to eight, seven, and then maybe at Titans at New England. I mean, I'm not saying that Miami's going to make the playoffs, but— They could? They could.
0: <laughs> <laughs> One thing that you know we were talking about off air, and we've kind of been to a defenders a little bit. Look at what's happening with Trevor Lawrence— um, with Zach Wilson, with even Justin Fields, they look awful. And the media is like, that's eh, okay. They're, they're rookies. They, they need time to develop. They don't have a line. They don't have this. Tua got immediately blasted, like two starts into his career, because of Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow looking great. If Tua was just mixed in with this class this year, he would be looking a lot better than all those guys. So uh, for people to have been throwing you know, Tua out out of Miami after a half a season was just ridiculous, especially because we're giving a pass to all these guys this year.
1: I, I just, I like Tua. I think he's starting to play better. I, again, last year, he should have not played. He had coming off a terrible hip injury. You know, people thought yeah. he couldn't even play again. It was going to ruin his career. But now he's starting to stay healthy. He's now had some games in a row. Let's, let's see how he does the rest of the season. But the key is look, he's a situation where if you're Houston, make the trade, send Deshaun Watson to Miami, and you might have a quarterback that's going to be your quarterback <laughs> in the future in Tua, and you're going to get like four number one picks plus Deshaun Watson for Tua,
0: who you can use as your starting quarterback next year. They have a better offensive line there too that then so at least give you know what Tua needs is an offensive line it'd be better there granted he doesn't have the weapons on the outside green bay and the rams the rams the score doesn't is not indicative of how this game was green bay beat the pants off the rams and this was a team that going into that tennessee game that they lost everyone thinks they're the best team or second best team in the nfc they're clearly not
1: well, the Rams keep adding uh, Vaughn Miller, they get Jalen Ramsey. They just keep adding, I mean, from last year, but they, they every, every time it seems like Odo Beckham, who scored a touchdown, yeah. it seems like they do have the stars, but uh, Green Bay just comes in and Aaron Rodgers, again, you know, he's, it is certainly I think the criticism of him with the vaccination has focused him even more because now he's really throwing these... Great passes. He's playing with a hurt toe. They gets criticized about what he said about his toe. So he's he's taking this criticism. He's like he's almost becoming like Brooks Kepka. It's like criticize yeah. me and I'm gonna it's gonna focus me more. I mean that he's he's channeling that, and that's why they had that big, you know, eight and three and there and, and the Rams. Look, everyone says all oh, the Rams, they now have the lost to the Titans, 49ers, and Packers. They'll write the ship. They're too good. They're good. They're too good. And they're not gonna they're gonna fi- they're gonna fix this. But this has been a streak where they where
0: they've lost these three games in a row. Green Bay did look good, and that, that's a really good comp. They need to get... I think they mentioned getting Aaron Rodgers in one of these. That'd be great to have Rodgers and Brooks as a team in one of these <laughs> matches. San Francisco, Ira? I mean, <laughs> like you don't want to say that they're good, but they do play in the best division in football. So that, you know, you play six games against really good teams. They had a nice win here against Minnesota, who was coming off a big win themselves. Remember when they playing the the Rams, and you're saying, "Well, this could be the end of the Forty Nine ers'
1: season." Yeah, they come back, they win that game. Now they've won now three in a row, and Elijah Mitchell at running the ball, Debo Samuel. I mean, they're taking wide receivers and running the ball we had Dr. Roto on and he talked about Laviska Chenault and right. I heard someone else in the state saying, like, some of these other teams, you're seeing Atlanta with Cordell Patterson, take the wide receivers that can run the ball. Like I'd go, we got to get the wide receiver the ball. Well, maybe use them as a running back and there's ways to use the wide receiver and mix it up a little bit and that's what, I mean, two teams, San Francisco and now uh, Atlanta are using their wide receivers mm-hmm. as running backs and maybe Jacksonville should use that with Chenault because he's so good after the, you know, after the catch with the ball but great running backs and, and Minnesota, tough game. I mean, they, they drive down the fourth quarter, had the ball right there, couldn't score, and uh, twice they had a chance to tie the game and weren't able to do it. But a big win for San Francisco, six and five, uh, to win that.
0: No, yeah, it seems like a lot of teams they're hesitant. You know, Dalvin Cook will get five screen passes a game. Not Dalvin Cook. um, Devontae Adams will get five screen passes a game. You guys, Deontay Johnson's always on jet sweeps, or you know what I mean. You're br- you're getting these guys involved. They just won't line them up in the backfield. <laughs> the 49ers and and, and Falcons said if we want to get the ball to them we'll just hand it off to him right. if we have to and it's working for them Debo Samuel I, I didn't see this coming He's His evolution as a player has been fantastic, so great um, draft pick by them. Giants and Eagles, that was an ugly game, Ira. I don't know if you saw it. That was just uh, it was pretty terrible, indicative of two teams that are not going in the right direction.
1: No, I think the only thing to say about was that Miles Sanders' place for the Eagles was the star Penn State running back at Saquon Barkley. So there's a battle between the two. The last two great Penn State running backs were against each other in that game, but the Giants uh, beat the Eagles 13-7. Bad loss. I mean, Jalen hurts. I mean, it seemed like every time the Eagles feel like you're, you understand, like mm-hmm. they're playing well, then they pull this and have a game like that, and when it's just awful.
0: I think Jalen Hurts is not the answer. I think they need to to accept that and start figuring out an escape plan. They do have, I think, three picks in like the top eleven, so could be the year to do it. Matt Ryan and the Falcons, all they needed was a team. They, they had a really rough two weeks. They needed a team like Jacksonville, and of course they got the win there. Uh Jets and Texans, I don't know what you want to say about this game, except Zach Wilson threw another interception that was like, are you kidding me with this? But no blame for him, like to a god. Ira, we had been, you know, praising the NFL for getting great matchups in primetime. Then we had last night's game, which was just ugly. Tonight, I think, could be really ugly as Russell Wilson, who's hobbled, going to take on uh, Washington, who's been playing a little bit better of late, but still not what we thought. I think this one's going to be ugly.
1: Well, it might be ugly, but the fact is that both these teams it, well, it, Seattle's 3-7, and seven, Washington's 4-7, and seven, Seattle's favored by one. But the interesting thing is that the last wild card is five and six. So it's if Seattle wins, they're four and seven. They're going to be one game out of the last wild This They're not over. Remember, there's three wild cards this year. That's going to open up a lot of games. So, I mean, everyone besides the Lions of the NFC, almost everyone is still in this. So Seattle with a win and Washington clearly with a win. Washington would be only a half a game out of the wild card if they win, win this game.
0: What What's everything looking like across the AFC and NFC? More, you know,
1: I like to say it's everyone's, <laughs> except for the Miami Jets, which Miami we talked about with the Chance, but the Jets, Houston, Jackson are out, and Detroit is out because the wild card for the national the AFC is six and five. Really, that's the wild card, and the wild card for the NFC is five and six. So everybody's in; it's still in. You like the, the Patriots at eight and four, the Ravens at eight three, um, at ten, and Kansas City at seven four, and Tennessee at eight and four are going to win the divisions. You know, Dallas is at seven four; they played poorly on Thanksgiving, but they're still three games ahead of the Eagles. And then you have Green Bay and Tampa Bay, and Arizona and the Rams. But it's just these wild cards are going to throw the mix, and the fact that an extra wild card is going to put five—you could be a game or tied to five hundred and still get in that. In Plus. We see
0: 500 teams make it all the time. So yeah, it's going to happen. At uh, 751, Iron on Sports. This is the true oldies channel. Don't forget, keep up with Ira on social media at Ira on Sports. Ira, I don't remember a free agency baseball period being kind of as wild as this in a few years. And we started off hot and heavy. Maybe it's Uncle Steve in, in New York breaking out the big checkbook, got everyone excited. I don't know. But either way, it's been pretty wild so far.
1: Well, I think what's happened is that the contract, the, the Major League Baseball is going to have a lockout in the, ne- in the next week or so. They'll have, And, and but people thought... Normally what's happened the last two free agent seasons you saw with Bryce Harper you saw with uh, uh, Machado they waited till like April I mean in yeah. March in order to sign these big contracts and I, I was sort of thinking that was going to happen, but I think now the fear is like, what's going to happen with the lockout? Will there be a lockout? And suddenly you're seeing today, all the free agents were signing and it was just coming. I mean, I, we're going to go on the computer. What has happened in the last couple of minutes? I'm yeah. going to take a look right now and see <laughs> if anything's gone on. But, uh, you know, go through them. I mean, just, just minute Well,
0: first up, the Mets, they made a huge splash just today. Max Scherzer, who, you know, if you told someone, he's going to turn 38 next season. If you told me he was signing a, a three-year deal you would think that would be crazy, but Max Scherzer is still the top three pitcher in baseball, and the Mets are going to have, without a doubt. You forgot deba- to add the money for three years. Oh, one hundred and four, one hundred and thirty million. Which so it's forty three, I think, per right. And what
1: was the Pirates' payroll last year? Forty three
0: million. <laughs> <laughs> right entire- now, he's making more than three teams <laughs> did last year. But you know, people will say it's crazy. They have the best one two in baseball now with Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer. If he gets hurt, then it's a bust. But if even if he just pitches a little bit worse each year, he's still a top 10 pitcher in baseball. Good for them for, for signing and bringing him in.
1: Yeah, and I think the question is, the Dodgers have more money than anyone. So the Dodgers could have matched if they want to, but
0: I think they felt like they're, like, I don't know. I mean, the, Well, it came out that he wanted to play on the West Coast. So they, the offer from the Mets must've just been so much more than what the Angels and Dodgers were offering. It's the only thing I could think of.
1: I would say the uh, Dodgers probably offered him like a two year, $80 million. And this is another 50 million. I, I find it funny that he has an option for the third year. Like <laughs> when he's gonna make 45 million, he'll be 39 years old if he opts out of that. Like, I mean, he'd be great thing. You're talking about Cy Young. I mean, why would you opt out of a $45 million contract?
0: The the whole thing is, is strange. They also, you know, Smaller deals that the Mets have pulled off. Uh, Matt Can Canna from Oakland, they they signed him. Also Starling Marte. They brought him in. So Mets have been making some some really positive moves here. They find a way to screw it up every year, but at least they're looking better on paper than they were last year, and bias is still in the mix. Well, they're trying
1: to, they're, the same formula I saw was something in the post, that said the same formula the Giants use this year, which is a assigning maybe 32-year-old, 33-year-old players, a little older, but uh, that are smart, great in the clubhouse, and sort of win like that way. And they all have, I still have Alfonso and Lindor, and now this great pitching staff, so that's the recipe for success, hopefully, they think.
0: So, Marcus Simeon, um, he kind of, kind of faded away two years ago had a huge bounce back season this year was up in the MVP voting he gets a massive deal from the rangers seven-year deal i thought they were done especially when it came to infielders but no they went out and signed Corey seager to an even bigger deal he's getting 10 10 million texas is going all in for this and i feel no, 10 bad, year 325 million. 10 year um Texas is going all in here, Iron. This could be an exciting team next year. Well, it could be exciting. They spent five hundred million dollars. I, I assume the
1: next two or three years, these Rangers, like when they got rid of, they signed a Rod, yeah. And then they got rid of a Rod. I think for two, three years, they'll be excited, but then they'll be traded or something like that. But Scott Burris goes to all the Dodger games and sits right behind home plate. I mean, this is like one of those things where now he's sending all his clients out of the L.A. <laughs> and not doing that. Um, I, you know, again, the Dodgers could have matched that, but they—that's why they traded, made that trade for Trey Turner. Um, I was surprised. I mean, I. I feel, again, maybe the Dodgers offered him maybe an eight-year, 240. I mean, the Dodgers don't want to overspend. They have one... If you're looking at the Dodgers' salary, I mean, they can, as I said, they can spend any more than... They can outspend the Yankees, anybody. Um, and two years, the only players under contract are Betts and Bauer. Those are only two players under contract. So I don't know what they're thinking, but uh, Andrew Freeman is a genius and they'll figure out something. But unless... They they are very how. Say about this about the Dodgers. They are extremely high on their farm system. They are extremely sure, high great. on their younger players. And they really think these are going to be superstars. And like, why should we... They almost don't want to sign a Seager to, to clog up the younger players coming into those positions. But it's funny, Seaman and Seager both are shortstops, so yeah. one's gonna to have to play second, one play third, one play, something. Simeon so actually
0: played a ton of second base this past year with Toronto, so that that will be the setup I'm assuming, and they're they're gonna get Seager reps at third base as well, kind of you know figure it out from there. But it was a little weird, but at the same time, if you can get talent, you get talent. Um, if you can get the AL Cy Young Award winner, you do that too. Robbie Ray is heading to uh, the Mariners, and this is actually not such a terrible deal for them. He's only going to be 34 when this contract expires. Five years, $115 million. I, I am surprised at this money. I mean, again,
1: I, it's weird. It, you, people were saying, well, the play, owners were going to spend money before the lockout, but now they are spending it. So, and these are teams that were like downsizing and downsizing every of all the players. And now the Mariners are now spending money. The Rangers are spending money. Um, it's just, it's weird that you're seeing these teams spend the money. Of course, the Pirates are the only team that doesn't yeah. spend money. <laughs> that's,
0: that's... Um, well, they replaced uh, Robbie Ray with Kevin Gosman, who was on San Francisco last year. I don't know if he's really an upgrade. He's a little bit younger, but the contracts are very similar, and they're going to have you know they got an ace back. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, Wander Franco. If anybody's not familiar with him, and you a lot of people wouldn't be, he just came. He was the top prospect in baseball. Just came up, and this is the new wave we're seeing, Ira. If you've got a young guy, just lock him up to his mid-30s. It's not going to be that long. He'll be, I think, like 32 when he'll be eligible, you know, when his contract runs out. But they send him to an 11-year, it's a 12-year overall deal for a kid who's 20 years old.
1: 182 million. It could be worth 223 million. But the, what they're doing is you have a three year rookie contract, or three year arbitration. So they're paying him way over what he should get paid now with the hope in later that he makes that much. But the risk they run is I could see that when he's making what his contract is, like 20 million, when, the, when he should be making his All Star, oh, he should be making 40 or 50. Is he going to hold out? Is he going to say, no, I'm not going to play? Yeah. Like that's the one risk they have is they're overpaying him now. And now the players are like, well, it's unfair that he, they signed it. It'd be interesting to see what it'll Go on, they did this with, with Longoria, yeah. Um, and it, it, it paid off for them, it worked out well. So, we'll see with 11 year 182. I'm sure he Franco's happy because he'd make what 600,000 generational
0: wealth, you yeah. know. And he has only played in uh, you know 90 games so far. And
1: He's guaranteed now at least 182 million and could make up to 220. I, I did,
0: I think he's going to end up, you know, the breakdown per year is going to be in like 18.4 million dollars. which – in eight years, players could be making $50 million. So it could end up being a great deal for both. The contract is also back-ended. So in typical Rays fashion, four years from now, they could ship him out of town, never have to actually pay him any of this big money. Who's still out there and available?
1: Um, Freddie Freeman's still out there yeah. with the Braves, but I think he comes back to the Braves. I don't see why not. And Carlos Correa, I think, still goes back to the Astros.
0: Like I don't know if we'll see. Chris Bryant maybe goes back to the Giants. So yeah, we'll Trevor see. Story out there as well, and that's another domino we're waiting to fall. Yankee fans are refreshing Twitter, constantly waiting to see which of these shortstops are going to get as the as the Rangers take two of them uh, off the market. Let's talk NCAA here for, for just a minute before we get to, to golf, but because this was like an epic game and it was probably too early in the season.
1: At 10.30 at night in front of 20,000 20, in Vegas, Duke beat Gonzaga 84-81, uh, Floyd Mayweather and Brooks Kepker were in the front row of the game. These are the two five by far best teams of basketball. It was an amazing game to watch. I could not believe the quality of the play of this game, considering that this is so early into the season, but Gonzaga, who had lost a lot of their starters from last year, but brought in uh, a Holmgren, Chet Holmgren, who was the number one player in the country, he looked amazing. And then uh, Paulo Banchero for Duke, their star freshman, had 21 points. But it was like one of those games, back and forth, back and forth. And Gonzaga, who had let, lost to Baylor in the championship game, to come back and they beat UCLA by 20 earlier in the week to come and play Duke just a few days later. Um, these two teams are matching. It was it was just the 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 passing, the defense, the shooting, everything. It was a great game. These are two phenomenal basketball. The two, by far, the best teams in basketball. Duke ended up, I don't know what they said, they won 84-81. But it was just, again, a very close game.
0: Let's shift to the match. And this was something, Ira... I heard a lot of people say they didn't like it. I loved it. I was with uh, my family, you know, right after Thanksgiving. It had me glued to the TV, maybe because I'm a Brooks a fan, and he, he played so well, but I, I thought this was awesome.
1: Yeah, I loved it. I Again, I just couldn't believe... It. First of all, I think it was great They only there was 12 holes, but it ended up only being nine, but just the fact that, again, all that love where they felt that Bryson and Brooks would get along, and li- they clearly do not like each other at yeah. all, and Brooks doesn't like Bryson at all. I mean, it's a, <laughs> from the Brooks perspective, and I I mean they come out at the, th- at the first one par four they both parred but on the second hole Bryson's tee shot was off Brooks was in the middle he- that was the only hole he really like won so he's one up but then on the par three Brooks is off the green Bryson is only eight feet away this is the one thing where Bryson in the holes three four and seven where he had a chance to win the hole he only halved them because he's putting for eight feet and misses that putt and then on the par four uh, the next one uh, the, uh, the fourth hole Kepka's tee shot was off he was in the wrong fairway and Bryson had a good tee shot he shot and uh, and Phil Mickelson is talking to both of them and he's saying at the same time he goes oh this is great Bryson's improved his chipping it's gonna be great and then he makes the mistake there so they, they have three they have four and then on five they, they were both putting they both had six foot putts Brooks made his Bryson missed his and then on six it was par three Brooks had an 11 foot putt Bryson had a 14 foot putt Brooks makes his Bryson missed his and then you know it ends up the same thing on the on the eighth hole Bry, um, Bryson didn't make a putt he couldn't make a putt at all and Mickelson being in the air, they were hearing him and he was just saying how great Bryson is. And he said, I think Bryson's gonna win this. I think he's gonna win. I mean, Brooks is hearing him yeah. say that. And I think it just, you could see the focus. I mean, Brooks was like, whatever. And then Bryson gives his excuse. I haven't played in two months. I have this. I mean, all that just fed and fed into Brooks and the focus. And you can see his putting. And we, we talk about this all the time. Bryson is great if he's at the U.S. Open and he's up ten strokes and he's out driving everybody. But when he was against Cantlay in the match this past year, he's in this. He can't putt. He can't make those big putts. And Brooks, that's why he's won four majors. He's won his four majors, always making those eight foot, ten foot, eleven foot putts time and time again and also the recovery shots his ability to recover and make those shots and a uh, huge win uh, you know they, they asked they said the comment afterwards like are you guys buddies now and Brooks goes no <laughs> What he said he goes no but no. that's the first time they've ever even played together in a round like now because even when they were younger you would expect that they would be just paired together by accident or they've just been in the tournament they've never even been paired together and then as in the last few years they don't want to be paired together when they start mm-hmm. but it's amazing they play enough tournaments that you would think that of just course. they would just be paired together because you just are the two you know, at the end in the third Saturday and Sunday of a tournament
0: yeah they just and they never seem to be playing well in the tournaments at the same time so yet. he ended
1: up for people I just want to say what happens he was uh with at the the one the Brooks won it was question did he win the ninth hole or not I I saw I think he was up so he was up five str- five with three to go but yeah. he was going up four at the end with, they might have halved it I don't know which, the who gave what to which shot but the fact is it was supposed to go 12 and Brooks won four holes
0: at least won five in the nine holes that was my one thing though I right this is exhibition Play well twelve. I know it's not how golf is done in match play, but what's the difference? It's more golf, it's more TV. I want to see more shots. I... I think he just wanted to dominate him and say. <laughs> you know,
1: they made a comment. They go they go it's not going much longer than that. It's much going longer. You know, I just got a text from someone and it's not showing up in ESPN, but I'm gonna say it right now. I cannot believe it though. They're saying Brian Kelly of Notre Dame to LSU. I don't believe it, but some but someone who I trust in terms of what's saying it. Did you are you seeing that on your I'm group?
0: not seeing that? But right But if Brian now on Kelly ESPN. of Notre
1: Dame goes to LSU, I, they must have. Why paid. would you do that? That. Why yeah. would they do it? And they must be paying him a fortune for that. That that could that could be just an enormous. That could be another fifteen million
0: dollar contract. I'll keep looking at this. But um, Ira, before we wrap up again, what could your crazy week be coming up?
1: Uh, SEC championship game on Saturday. Uh, uh, Raven Steelers on Sunday, and then uh, Raven and then Steelers Vikings in Minnesota. First time over that stadium. Everyone tells me how great that stadium is on Thursday, and then back here in Florida, Tampa Buffalo on Sunday. But I, it's only one cold game. So that's good. <laughs> like you know, I'm still I'm I'm. I'm I'm a very softy right now, so only the Steelers-Ravens would be cool.
0: We are out of time. Thank you so much. He's Ira I'm Mike. Let's talk next Monday night. It's Ira on Sports.